1: Hey, everybody, welcome to Business of Design, episode 138. And back by popular demand, Dr. Gans Ferrance. Dr. Gans is a familiar face and a familiar voice to Business of Design listeners. He's been on a couple of podcasts already. He's also been a guest we've had at conferences in the past. And you'll be happy to know if you're heading to Business of Design Conference in January that you will get a bit of Dr. Gans at the conference as well. In this episode, we're going to talk about a variety of things that involve spotting the signs of burnout, if you're feeling overworked overwhelmed, undervalued, you are in danger of burnout. And how do you assess how you're feeling and more importantly, what can you do to stop a downward spiral? Dr. Gans has recently released a new book called The Me Factor. And so we will also review the book. And I was quite interested to hear his thoughts on social media. I'd never heard it quite expressed this way, but this idea that when we compare ourselves to perfect idealized social media entities, we lose multiple times in that transaction. We lose in the initial comparison And then we lose again because instead of using that time to reflect on all the great things we have in our own lives, we're down an alley of despair and compare. And then we lose again because when we finally do recognize that we have some wonderful things happening in our own lives, they seem small or less rich in comparison. And it's a vicious cycle. And I'd never quite heard it put that way. For me, I know I have to limit the amount of time I spend on social media because I can either be present in my life, enjoying what I have and creating new interests and doing productive work, or I can spend time on social media. I have to make those decisions. And so for me, it is a discipline and I am protective of my time. So that's an interesting part of the conversation as well. Such a great conversation and such a wonderful person. Dr. Gans also says in this episode that he is a psychologist, of course, but he's also a coach and he has a coach. And I can't agree more, I cannot be an effective business coach for you if I don't have my own coaching going on because I need to constantly be aware of where my motivation is, where am I resting on my laurels, am I complacent, am I moving forward, am I pushing myself too hard? All of those things are so much easier for my business coach to spot in me than I can spot in myself. I feel really fortunate that so many of you call me your business coach. If you are a paid member of Business of Design, I am your business coach. And I think it's important if you're a listener but not a member of Business of Design for whatever reason, if you're thinking it's time to choose a coach, make sure to choose a coach who's successful at the thing you want to be successful at. I was speaking to a friend of mine who is a screenwriter and she's had a number of movies produced and earns a living as a screenwriter. And she was talking about the fact that she knows a number of people who teach screenwriting at universities, and none of them have ever written a successful screenplay. So be aware that you want to choose a business coach who is succeeding at the thing you want to succeed at. If you're running an interior design practice, do you want a business coach who's running a highly successful interior design practice? That means profitability. That means client satisfaction. So be selective about who you are getting advice from and thank you so much. So many of you are generous in your sharing with me. I learned so much from coaching you. I, in fact, I have a huge to-do list. After Business of Design's Elite Retreat in Santa Monica, I learned a lot of new things from members and have new practices and new protocols and new tweaks to make to my own system. So thank you for that. It's a two-way street and you are in the right place. Let's check in with Cheryl Horn. Hey, Cheryl, how are you? I'm doing good. How are you? I'm well, and it's really nice to circle back to one of our favorite business of design consultants, the one, the only, Dr. Gans. He shares so much wisdom about how we stay sane, how we stay strong, how we set boundaries, And I continue to learn from him every single time we speak. He's got a new book, Me Factor, which we'll be talking about on the podcast. And you've got some good news in that regard as well, don't you, Cheryl?
0: Yes. Dr. Gans will be making an appearance at the conference. And as part of that, we are doing a giveaway. So the next 10 people who sign up for the conference are going to get a free copy of his book. We're so excited. It's amazing. And if you've been waiting to buy your conference ticket, like so many members that I've talked to recently, until after our contest closed, which it did last Thursday, we have selected our winners. Congratulations to Kim Chaney of Haven Design in Michigan and Jerry End of Girard Interiors in New York. They both won tickets to the Business of Design Conference at Las Vegas Market. So if you were waiting till the contest ended to buy your ticket, now is the time. So again, the next 10 people who sign up are gonna get a copy of Dr. Ganz's book, which is great. So. Details are on the website. We have added more details to our itinerary, so be sure to check that out. Space is limited, and I expect we will be selling out really soon. So don't
1: miss out. Get your tickets today. The next 10 people, and that is putting us dangerously close to sold out. So if this is something you've been thinking about doing, now is the time to act. And if you don't know Dr. Gans, he is back by popular demand. Uh, We had Dr. Gans at our conference in 2015, and the people who were there who are also coming to Las Vegas says, please, please, please get him back. It's a little bit unusual how he's going to be at the conference, but it's going to be awesome, and we're looking forward to it. Anytime with Dr. Gans is time well spent.
0: So you can get your tickets online at businessofdesign.com. Sign up for the Business of Design Conference. It's happening January 25th and 26th, 1395. And if you are one of the next 10 people to sign up, you're going to get a free copy of Dr. Ganz's book. Thank you, Cheryl.
2: Welcome to the Business of Design podcast with Kimberly Seldon. Business of Design is the coaching community for independent designers like you. We know it takes more than hard work and talent to successfully run a professional design firm. There are proven business strategies that can solve your immediate challenges and transform your life. Don't try to do this alone. Join today and you'll have access to more than 100 video courses, participate in monthly coaching calls, and find unlimited support within our exclusive members-only Facebook group. Unlike traditional coaching, BOD is a fast track to immediate results for independent interior designers, decorators, architects, stagers, and landscapers just like you. Monthly membership is only $79. Annual members save two months. What are you waiting for? We all know design matters. At Business of Design, we think designers matter too.
1: This episode of Business of Design is brought to you by Buildlane. Buildlane is an incredible app that I have enjoyed using personally. We are about to place our second order with Buildlane, and I know I previously shared the experience of ordering our first piece of furniture with Buildlane, which was incredible. It is now positioned snugly where it belongs, and it really looks spectacular Everybody's thrilled. So, I for one am looking forward to new opportunities to work with Frank and Heather at buildlane.com. Now, if you're not familiar with Build Lane, if you're not familiar with making custom furniture, this is really a great opportunity for you to get to know them. Right now, Build Lane is offering Business of Design listeners the opportunity to take $250 off the first order. And all you have to do is create a free account at buildlane.com backslash B-O-D. If you don't remember that, go to businessofdesign.com and click on the Build Lane ad. You might as well take off that first order. Thank you, Build Lane, for your support. And also, Build Lane is going above and beyond. They are sponsoring Business of Designs conference and hosting a fun cocktail party on the Sunday night. We're all gonna need that cocktail on Sunday night because we have two days of extremely intense learning, lots of systems and procedures and protocols that will be brand new to anyone because they have never been released through business of design before. So that Sunday night cocktail party is going to be an opportunity for us to let our hair down and unwind and just marinate in the fact that we took this time to work on our businesses and own being the boss. Being the boss is good. And working with Build Lane is also really good. Thank you so much, Build Lane. And now back to the show. Well, it's no secret, one of my favorite people is on the podcast today. Dr. Gans, how are you?
3: I am great, Kimberly. So glad to be talking to you again.
1: Enough about you. Now about me. That's how (laughs) I feel every time I talk to you. Like, can you please help get inside my head and figure out what's going on in there and tangle this mess?
3: I guess I have that effect on people for some reason. I don't know.
1: Yeah. And your voice really helps too. Like everybody who has listened to your podcast says, when is Dr. Gans coming back on the show? We just want him to hang out and talk to us.
3: Oh, right on. Well, thank you so much. Always great to talk to you
1: well, and your people. Thank you. Thank you. And you have been super busy. You now have a book, the me factors. Tell me about the me factor.
3: So, you know, uh, <laughs> early in my career, early in my life, I actually um, was running really hard and I ended up burning myself out a couple times. And so I said, okay, well, this is not good. So I got to figure out a different way to do this. So what happened was I sat down I thought about it. I figured out, oh, okay, if I do this system and it, you know, it took me a while to figure it out. But if I do this system, I can actually stay on the right side of burnout and don't have to go down this path too many more times. Or if I do, I can find my way back a lot faster. And so I put the system together, uh, several, like probably 20 some years ago. But then what was happening was when I was talking to my clients and working with them, <laughs> I realized that about 95% of them had something that was connected to the system that I put together. So uh, I had a lot of people tell me, you don't got to put this in a book, you got to write it down so that we can also benefit from it. So that's what I did. So I wrote it down. Got a, a whole system together so that not only you know, I can use it to make keep myself on track, but then also other people can use it to make sure they stay on track and pull themselves out of burnout and have the kind of creativity and the kind of relationships they want to have that they deserve.
1: I'm assuming that you're not, you're able to spot the signs of burnout before you're circling the drain and about to implode. Is that, are there like, can we talk about the early warning signs? I'm going to, there must be a checklist and I need it right now.
3: Give it to me. Give
1: it to me. Give it to me.
3: (laughs) This this, there. Yes. And and it's, it's interesting because that's actually part of the system that I put together because I, I realized that, you know what, if like, what, what happens with burnout is like um, when you start to go down that path before you start to circle the drain or while you're circling the drain, you don't really um, you don't really pay attention to what your body's saying to you. Right. You, you don't really know what's going on. You it, the, the problem is, if you're impaired, you don't really know how impaired you are because your judgment is also impaired. Right. Exactly, so, yeah. Right. So so it can be really hard to um, to see. So the checklist is like for me. What I use is a 10-point scale that I use for myself. And I say, okay, if, if if 10 is the happiest I've ever been and zero is I need to be hospitalized, like right now, okay, um, I try to stay above a 7. And so I ask myself, how am I doing? What's my average? What am, I, what am I feeling today? And so if I'm above a 7, I like to stay around 8, 9. That's awesome. But if I start to slip below that, if I start to slip below that in terms of my happiness, in terms of um, – my functionality right so if i'm not let's say i'm not sleeping properly or i'm more irritable or uh, i'm confused i got that foggy brain right um start to get forgetful um i start to have like headaches or aches and pains that are unexplained um different things like that or you know like there's sexual side effects like for guys it's uh, erectile dysfunction or for everybody it's low low um low interest in sex or difficulty having orgasm right so all of these different things are some of the warning signs so if i start to see that then i give myself anything below a seven well if i'm below seven i know that i need to do something to work on myself to help fill my tank so to speak i need to do that sometime this week if i go below a six then i need to do that today right if i hit a five or below that then I need to stop what I'm doing right now and take care of it right now because once I start to go below a five, then all the stuff that I'd normally do to fill my tank actually takes more work. It, it actually feels like it's oh god, I've got to go have ice cream now. Oh man, you know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> oh,
1: said no one I've ever, Doctor said oh, No one ever. <laughs> But, okay, do you get better at spotting it? Because I don't know, I would always, I'm so optimistic. I would always rate myself a nine. I'm a nine. I'm great. Get out of my way. I'm going to run you over with my car. I'm a nine.
3: You, you, you do get better. You do get better. Because, you know, as, as you start to pay attention to it, it's like, you know, like anything else. Anything we put attention to, we start to get better at it. We start to, pay, we start to notice it more. But, yeah, I, I you know, I, it got so bad for me one time. I tell you, uh, I was driving the kids to school one day. And I was merging from one uh, freeway onto another. I shoulder-checked twice, and then I started to come over. And then I heard somebody lay on the horn, and they gave me the finger. I was like, what? What what, What's going on? Where'd that guy come from, right? But I I knew that, okay, I hadn't been sleeping really well. Um, I was not really in the greatest of moods. I figured, oh, that's a really late sign, right? I recognized it as a sign because I've been paying attention to it. You are so
1: evolved. I think, what is wrong with that jerk?
3: (laughs) Like, how do I get involved
1: like you, Dr. Gans?
3: That was the the initial reaction, but then I realized, oh, wait a second. I double-checked twice, and I didn't see this guy, so clearly it's probably not him, it's me, right? And so then I said, okay, whatever. I carefully drove the kids to school, dropped them off, went home, canceled my day, and then i looked after myself that day i took a nap i watched some comedies i ate some food i did actually get the ice cream right so and it was <laughs> it was too much of a too much of a stretch for me that's um, the only
1: tool in my toolkit by the way <laughs> ice cream well and tequila it. tequila yeah, yeah. <laughs> but that's that seems dangerous if you're not having a great day like that doesn't that's seem great. like a winning combo
3: Ice cream ice cream, and tequila float, yeah.
1: Okay, there you go. Don't knock until you've tried it, I guess,
3: right? That's right.
1: So, so, first of all, is this a daily assessment? Is this a weekly assessment? Do you just get in the habit of doing it from time to time?
3: Yeah, I would say, you know, I would say at first, you know, for some folks, honestly, I have uh, some of my clients that I've worked with the coaching folks, um, I have asked them to do this, like, you know, two, three times a day. Sometimes if things are really, really bad, I get them to get into the habit, like, just to set an alarm and check like every hour, right? Just to kind of see what they're doing and, and make sure that they're tuned into how they feel. Because because here's the thing, Kimberly, um, your state trumps everything. It, it really does. Um, if if you you can have all the intelligence, you can have all the skill in the world, but if you're not in the right state of being physiologically or emotionally or mentally all your good stuff doesn't come out. Right. Mm-hmm. So if you, if you can get into, if you can get people to think about thinking about how they feel and what their state is on a regular basis, they're always checking in, they start to pay more attention to that. And they start to actually listen to what their body is saying, because like I said, most of us, when we start to get stressed or tired or whatever, we turn off, like we, we mute the volume on what our body's telling us. Right. I mean, I've, I've, I've experienced it where I forgot, Hey, didn't I need to go to the bathroom this morning at some point? And like, what, yeah. what, what happened there, right? Or I forgot to eat or whatever.
1: Yeah, right? no, I never forget to eat. But um, there's kind of an archetype, right? We just power through. Just yeah. get it together. Keep going. Head down. You can rest next year.
3: Yeah, I'll sleep when I'm dead. Yeah,
1: there you go. Right, exactly. So, so the first thing we want to do is an inventory and assessment, see where we're at, see how we're feeling. What else can we do to tune in?
3: Well, you know, once you once you know what you're like, how you're feeling and stuff, then you have to know what is going to feed you, okay? So, I've I identified seven areas that people need to look at. It's physical, emotional, spiritual, intellectual, social, financial and a sense of purpose. And if you it, those, those are my seven things. Um, And if you actually start to feed those areas on a regular basis, you tend to be pretty balanced, right? Now, certain things are, you don't have to feed every day necessarily, but you definitely got to hit it at least once a week. And there are certain activities that will, that will, you know, get two or three or sometimes four for one. For example, if you go to a yoga class, with a bunch of friends, and you do it out in nature. Okay, mm-hmm. um, you're getting social. You can get intellectual if it's, you're learning new moves. You're getting, you know, some spirituals depending on what you believe. It can even be a sense of purpose because you're connected with something higher than yourself outside of nature. There's a lot of active Lot, lot of, uh, lot of the the factors that get filled based on one quick activity, mm-hmm. right? That you enjoy.
1: And all joking aside, there are things that aren't good to do when you're feeling like that and the two things I was joking about ice cream and tequila are probably right up there on the top of the list of how not to take care of yourself
3: right exactly exactly because well and you know you want to you want to do things that don't just give you that momentarily hit. you want to make sure they 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 lift you up and lift you up long term and not cause more problems for you later on right so you know whether it's weight or alcohol abuse or whatever it might be
1: What's the cost long-term of not feeling that sense of purpose? And I guess to back up, I would say I have been speaking lately to designers who are sharing with me that they don't they don't feel like they're in their zone in terms of their business and their career. They don't feel like clients respect them. They're not making money. And I imagine that that is a tremendous drain on precisely the kind of well-being you're talking about
3: it it absolutely is uh it's very very stressful right because then you think you're you're not living your life right you're living somebody else's life if you're doing things for other people and my my whole system and this is what I what I discovered because I was the go-to guy in my family I was the go-to guy with my friends and so all of my energy was always going out I was always looking after somebody or giving or whatever right and you know for the folks that you're talking to that are feeling this way if they're giving of their creativity. And you know, I, I know creative people that it's 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 their passion, they're expressing themselves and stuff, but if they're not being respected with it or they're being drained or they're not being paid properly or whatever, it really does feel like you're giving away this very sacred, very special part of yourself and somebody's like just not taking it seriously, they're not really valuing it properly. And it it might not
1: be the client, right? Sometimes it's us. We give it away, and then I become resentful because the person didn't say, well, that's too generous. Let me pay you what I think you deserve. Right, right,
3: right. Exactly, exactly. You know, one thing I really learned throughout this whole process is, That, you know, um, (laughs) people treat you as bad as you let them, really, basically, right? Even good people, even people that love us, they'll treat us bad as bad as we let them. And so it's really up to us to set our boundaries and up to us to make sure that we're asking for what we need um, in order to feel that sense of value and that sense of uh, uh, purpose, right? So if you're giving this away all the time, over time, you will start to feel more and more depleted. And the very thing that brought you joy is going to feel like it's draining you and it's killing you. You might actually not just get resentful towards other people, but you may get resentful towards yourself or the or your profession, because you're not because you haven't taken the steps to say no. This is what I need. This is what I'm worth, and more importantly than what I'm worth, this is what I need. And if I don't get what I need, I can't do it. Do you right. Know what I mean?
1: And yeah. isn't there also isn't this whole thing, this whole if it's a mess, let's call it a mess. Isn't this whole mess compounded by the fact that we're constantly comparing ourselves to insta-perfect moments?
3: Oh man. So, so true. So true. I mean, uh, social media anxiety and social media depression are like, they're not quite in the DSM yet, but they're coming. What's a DSM? Um, they're real DSM is a diagnostic and statistical manual of uh, mental health disorders. Right. So, um, so uh, it's the sort of Bible for psychiatrists and psychologists. It's what has all the lists of all the different disorders and stuff. So it's not officially recognized yet, but, but all the clinicians, we see it right Mm -hmm. with the, with this whole idea of, I'm going to compare my everyday normal life to this idealized version of somebody uh, that's that's on social media it's ridiculous. So, so the studies around that though have said that um, not only is it uh, killing you, like from a stress perspective, because you're spending so much time and there's all these unrealistic, all these unrealistic um, images on there, but then you you are not really ever looking at the good that you have. You don't actually see the good that you have, and when you do see it, it's really you're losing you're losing the the depth of it, you're losing the quality of it because you're taking you're taking yourself out of it to try to record it to show everybody else so you can brag that you're you're also one of the beautiful people or you've also wow. done the, the wonderful thing right. Mm-hmm. So you're losing two or three different times just by based on on that. In my in my book, actually, some clients of mine they went down to uh, I talk about this in the book. They went down to um, to uh, uh, Hawaii, and so they were walking on the beach with their three kids. And it was a beautiful day, blue skies, nice, not too hot, just perfect, little breeze. And they're walking down the beach, and way off in the distance, they see this woman lying on this log trying to take a selfie, right? And it's like, okay. And they keep walking. It took them a while to get there, but she's there, and she's still trying to take the selfie. And so they just kind of, okay, they notice, and they walk on. They walk for about, you know, walk up the beach for about an hour. They're coming back, and she's still on the log trying to get this perfect selfie, Right. Wow. And so. <laughs>
1: right. Hello. You're in Hawaii?
3: Exactly. How about take a swim? Out of it. Right. Yeah. You're not enjoying the beautiful day. You're trying to prove everybody how wonderful you have in, in, in your life. Right. And so, so
1: you can, you will actually then help me a lot if you just tell my children why there aren't as many photos of them. I felt <laughs> like, right? I felt like I can either be in this moment and be right. present and enjoy it or I can record it, but I can't do both. And so yes. my children both feel like they have very few photos of themselves as they were growing up and I'm like yeah, yeah my bad I don't know you were cute
3: <laughs> yeah yeah I, I, I was I was busy enjoying you I yeah. wasn't I was trying to capture the moment right I just wanted to, to be with you right right uh, is the singer Ed Sharon uh, he he left um, social media for a while I don't know if he's back now but he said he he, he said he left it because he was tired of living his life through a screen mm-hmm. right right so I totally I thought that was a brilliant way to say it
1: so. Wow, beautiful. The me factor, um, I I'm gonna ask you something. It sort of struck me as I was reading it. You're speaking to men. I'm not a man. What happened? No. Don't I no, what ha- what happened?
3: You get nut. No, just kidding. So 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 the she factor is in the works, okay? So the she factor is coming. All but, right. But uh so the deal is this. Uh, the reason I wrote this book to men. Uh, the system works for everybody, by the way. It's it's, it's it does. Diverse. It
1: absolutely it does. does yeah. But I was like, hey, this is distinctly for the guy. The way that it's written.
3: So so the reason is, women are smart enough to translate. <laughs> so if something is written, there's not a lot written to guys. Honestly, there's not a lot of self help stuff that's written to guys. And the the stuff that's written sort of generally, a lot of guys don't pick up because I don't know. They're afraid of like losing their testosterone or something. I don't know. But, um, <laughs> but women, but what I've heard from women is like, this is, this is great because this helps me understand my son. It helps me understand my my husband, it helps me understand yeah. all these other people. But more importantly, it actually speaks to me too, because it's universal, right? It's not, I just wrote it to guys because it's a better chance they'll actually pick it up and do something. And then the women in their lives will benefit from it because they'll be better men, right? So it's
1: you know what it's so interesting. I'm thinking about a scenario where it was reversed. If you wrote it to women, my husband would completely tune out. But he's interested first. because it's written to him,
3: right? And I exactly.
1: did, and I did benefit from reading the book. And I do benefit right. from exploring these concepts on a regular yep. basis. Interesting. Yep.
3: Yep. Women will pick it up. Men will not touch it if it's not written to them, right? That's to, I don't know. It's just one of our. Are things that we have so you know I I played with it and you know this is this is the first book and there's a bunch more in the series that are coming so I'm yeah, ready so for one.
1: I one. am you mentioned boundaries briefly and it's it's one of the hardest things to get people to implement when they're struggling because we all want the job. We want the client to like us. We want the job. We want the beautiful photos for our website. And I had a coaching call a few days ago and we discussed a current situation with some with an interior design professional and she was going to go in and she was going to march in and she was going to say, no, I need to be the lead on the project or I can't do it. And she came back and said, I am only now doing the decorating. And I'm like, how did you get backed into a corner where now you're going to do the decorating in a bad situation?
3: Yeah. Yeah. That's brutal. Yeah. So
1: it's not just setting the boundaries, right? We're all, I find we're really good at setting the boundaries. I think it falls apart in protecting the boundaries.
3: Well, I don't think you should set a boundary that you can't protect. That's, that's how it is. Right. So don't, it's one of those things where unless you're willing to go to the mat on this, don't say it, right? Whether it's with your kids or with a client or with a spouse or friends or at a job or whatever, you have to be willing to deal with the downside risk on that. Otherwise, don't set the boundary, right? It's far better for you to set a um, a boundary that's further away from you or closer to you, however you want to look at it, right? That's a week or... A, a less advantageous boundary, let's say, mm-hmm. it's it's better for you to set that if you are okay with um, with holding that boundary. If you're not okay with holding a boundary, don't set it because that is just a bluff. What, you know what happens?
1: I mean? Yeah, and the power dynamic when you set a boundary with clients and then you break it immediately. What sure. happens?
3: Oh yeah, you you lose you lose uh, respect. They lose respect for you. I mean, they may not lose respect in terms of like they're gonna like insult you or anything like that, but they lose, they they understand you're not for real, right? And they lose they lose respect, but they also lose trust because you're not a person of your word. If you say this is what I do and this is all I do, if if they understand that, then they're gonna respect you. And here's the thing we have all of us, all of us humans, actually all mammals have this we have a sense of knowing when somebody is safe and when they're dangerous and when they're for real and when they're not for real. We have a sense of knowing that, that we feel in our bodies, that we may not always be able to articulate, but we know. And I had this experience when I was younger. I used to get bullied a lot, right? And so I, um, you know, I always wanted to learn how to fight and stuff, so I went to learn martial arts, right? So I talked to uh, this guy I knew who was a black belt, and I said, teach me some karate. I want to learn how to fight. And he goes, Well, I can teach you some karate, but if you actually get good, you're not gonna fight. And I said, You want to bet? I'm sure I will. I'll fight <laughs> because now I know what well, now I know what I'm doing, right? And he said, No, because what happens is when you know how to fight, your energy changes. Your key is what we call it in karate, right? And so your energy changes, and people will see you and they won't mess with you. They won't, they won't even try because they understand that you know what you're doing. And I said, Yeah. Right, right. When I started to learn, and now I have a black belt. It is true. I walk somewhere, and the sea, the people will part like the sea. If because uh, they get it, they understand. And so this is the same thing when somebody sets a boundary. If you're going to set a boundary, you have to first look at the downside risk. Are you willing to fight? Are you you know in in a, in a business sense, are you willing to walk away from a bad deal if it's not good for you? If you're too invested in getting the, the shots for your portfolio or you know what you want this client to like you or you haven't worked for a while or whatever, you have no bargaining power, right? You can't go in there and and say, I will only work for this, and then you know, you're gonna fall apart as soon as they pressure you. But if you go in and you're saying, you know what, if it's not this way, I'm not gonna feel fulfilled. I'm just gonna be pissed off in the long run. I'm gonna feel used. I'm not gonna do it for anything less than this. And you know that you're for real with that they will pick that up they will sense that and a lot of times when we're ready to go to war we don't actually have to go to war because people understand understand where we're coming from
1: so million dollar question then if we don't all want to take karate what can we do to foster that sense of strength in our character so we can set the boundaries that are right for us and then stick to them
3: well, you know the short answer is by the book, but you know, like
1: yes, <laughs> so definitely. That. Okay, yes. But,
3: but but no. In all seriousness, what it is, what it is, is you have to understand who you are, right? And right at the top of my book, actually, right on the cover, I have this this note says the most most important question you need to ask yourself is is this working for me? So the first thing you got to do is slow down, be, get quiet, and think about what it is that actually works for you. Does this job, just this one job, this one client, will this work for you? What am I getting out of it? Okay, well, I'll get pictures from my portfolio. I'll get good reputation in the community. I'll get whatever, right? Are those things enough for me to do this job for this amount of money or this position or whatever it is, right? If it is, if it works for you, then it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. Go ahead and do it, right? But if it doesn't work for you, figure out what will work for you. And that is your, that's that boundary you have to hold. And now that that works in a client sense, but it works with a spouse, it works with kids, it works with, you know, with anybody. You have to make sure you know yourself. And when you know yourself and you know your value, you are a lot better at holding those boundaries. But, but you know, even if you don't, even if you can't get there, maybe it takes you a little while because it's been a while since you actually took stock for yourself of who you are. Let's just play it out logically, Okay. Um, when I was first in business, I had that same experience where I felt like, oh man, I need clients. I got to do it. I'll do it for anything. And, you know, I'll, I just want to keep a client. I just want to, I just want to feel valued. Okay. And so what I did was people would, oh, I don't have money this week. So I can't pay, can I pay you next week? Well, next week they wouldn't come back. Right. Or, uh, I, I forgot my wallet this time. And so I can't write. And, and it was two or three weeks that I hadn't been getting paid. Right. And what was happening was my, as much as I was doing it so that I could feel good and feel valued, I was feeling less and less valued as I went along. And I was feeling more and more depleted and used. And so what was happening was the very thing that I felt uh, a mission for and I felt a purpose for was the very thing that was causing me stress. And so even if you can't get there for yourself, just like in terms of holding that boundary and recognizing your value, Think about it just from a logical standpoint. If you don't do this, you will be out of business soon, uh, either because you are depleted or you've burnt out or you've had a heart attack or you just hate everybody you come into contact with, right? And so the only solution is to figure out what is going to be, you know, a level at which you can accept the, the, the job or the suggestion or whatever it is you're dealing with.
1: And then how do we get honest with ourselves? Because I got to say, I just lie to myself all the time. Uh, It's fine. I'll just do this one more time. As soon as this project is done, then I will raise my rate. Then I will charge what I'm supposed to. Then I will collect on time. Then I won't put up with this. But, you know, I looked up and a decade went by and I was still doing the same crazy stuff because I'm optimistic and willing to work hard. And so how do we like spot the liar within
3: well, a couple of things. First of all, I think a, a coach is going to help you with that. Right? I know you do a lot of coaching with you, with your clients. And so do I, um, that's, that's, you know, everybody can use a coach, right? Um,
1: it's true actually. Cause you can spot it in someone else. You'll be oh, like, I'm calling bullshit on that right now because absolutely. there's no way that feels good.
3: Right. Exactly. Well, you know, the greatest brain surgeon in the world would be an idiot to try to do the surgery on themselves, right? I mean, <laughs> we don't have objectivity into our own situation because we're in our own situation, right? right? So a coach really, really helps to 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 call you on that stuff. But then I, I also have like a journal that I write in. I was actually writing on it, writing in it this afternoon. And and the journal is a great external and you know, to some extent, much cheaper tool than, than a coach. Uh, it's available all the time, but you start writing about how you feel and you'll start to see patterns, right? You'll start to see. Geez, yeah, I said that like four clients ago. Um, why am I still doing this? Right. Mm, you start yeah, to see that true, you yeah. can also write down what it is you want to do and like, hey, I wrote this like two years ago. How come I'm not doing it yet? Right. Maybe I'm maybe I am lying to myself or mm-hmm. whatever it is, right? But yeah, so a, a coach, uh, somebody outside of yourself that can help you see that stuff and writing in your journal can really help you to have that self-awareness. So that you understand when you're when you're lying to yourself and not, and not like being honest with what you are and what your value is and, and thinking, no, no, I'm, I'm no, well, it's is this a special occasion. Well, this is a special deal. And, and you know what? Um, after a while, the, the exceptions become the pattern, right?
1: Right. Yeah. They're friends of a friend. They were referred by someone I really like. They right. have a house in the right neighborhood. They might give me another job in Florida, et cetera, et cetera.
2: Yeah.
3: yeah. Yep heard and felt all of that before
1: yeah Yeah. well this is what's so amazing about you being willing to come and speak to our community is obviously you dealing with patients and you're seeing a lot of different patients but probably there's some commonalities among human beings in terms of valuing our worth it doesn't really matter if you're an interior design professional or not right
3: Right. Yeah. It's this, this is a human problem. This is not a design problem. We, we, I've got doctors, I've got lawyers, I've got, you know, plumbers, designers, everybody, anybody that's in business for themselves, but even if you're not in business for yourself, even if you work at a job where they pay you, it's the same kind of thing because sometimes it's like, I'm not, I'm being taken advantage. The boss has me working late and I do this, I get paid, but I only get, I get paid for my eight hours, but I'm working 14
1: Right. Yeah. Or... Did you know that there is something called under earners anonymous?
3: I did not know that. It's that is cool. It's a
1: subcategory of alcoholics anonymous. It's U.A. Yeah. Under earners yeah. anonymous. And so obviously like that's a thing, a whole bunch of people who feel like they're not hitting their potential, not hitting their stride. And it has to be that we stand in our own way. It has to be. Yeah.
3: Well, we're the only ones there, right? Everywhere we go, there we are, right? <laughs> yeah that's 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 what it is right and it can be it can be at the job where we're getting like an external um measure of value in terms of money but it can also be with our families right where where it's not an external measure like a like a uh uh, practical measure like money but it can be in terms of appreciation it can be in terms of thanks it can be in terms of reciprocity that we don't really feel like you know we have uh, i think most people have either a friend or a family member where you're always going to they're always asking you for something but they never really show that appreciation or give it back you know what i mean mm-hmm. and that's that's the other part of it where we feel like we're just being taken advantage of and that's you know my psychologist cuz i've been i've been in, going to psychologist and getting coaching myself for the last 30 years um he said you know you get resentful and you get pissed off even when you violate your own boundaries Right. Well, oh, it, it doesn't mean that somebody else is invading your boundaries. You can invade your own boundaries. You just open up the gateway for yourself and then people come in and they do that stuff. So,
1: oh man, it's so true. I think the biggest problems I've ever had are the problems I've caused myself. And then yep. you, you've got a double whammy of being annoyed with the person who did the thing you let them do. And then annoyed with yourself for letting the person do the thing you let them right. do.
3: Right. How could they treat me this way? Oh, wait a second. How could I treat myself this way? Yeah. Right. I,
1: it's so true. Okay, everybody, the me factor. Pick it up. Dr. Gans, where can we pick up the me factor?
3: At my website. It's askdrgans.com. So ask is in the question. D R G A N Z.com. And there's and, and actually there's tons of other free stuff on there, so tons of resources people can check out too. So
1: You know, we like to end every episode with design intervention. Just a bit of advice. It could be from the book. It could be from, you know, life experience. Something you think would be valuable to our listeners.
3: Yeah, I I, I would go back to asking yourself often every day, is this working for me? Ask it about your your pair of shoes you got. Ask it about, you know, the job you're looking at. Ask it about, you know, um, the people you have in your life. It has to work for you. If it doesn't work for you, it's not going to work. Um, A really great piece of advice I I got from a good friend of mine in business, he said you can't do a good deal with a bad partner. Okay, (laughs) So you you need to know who you're dealing with, but most importantly, you need to know who you're dealing with
2: with yourself.
1: Thank you so, so much.
2: Thank you for being a part of the Business of Design community. If you love what you hear on the podcast, take the next step by signing up at businessofdesign.com. As our thank you, you'll gain access to Business of Design's 15-step project management strategy, a free introductory course which includes three Business of Design systems you can implement for immediate results. And when you're ready for success, a Business of Design membership, monthly or annual, will dramatically improve your business and your life. What are you waiting for? Together, we will achieve extraordinary results. Start today.